This episode of the e-commerce playbook podcast is brought to you by Wayflyer. If you need to purchase more inventory, if you need to have more money to put towards advertising, or really if you need working capital for anything else in your business, when we needed capital, they were a great partner to us. Go check out wayflyer.com. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the show. Today on the show, I want to talk about something that's fascinating in the world of e-commerce because of how quickly the world changes, and that is supply chain disruptions, except the other way. It's really like warehouse disruptions. I am seeing clients increasingly, and starting to see this story all over the place, including at the Washington Post, of everybody having too much inventory all of a sudden. And so after not that long ago, when the entire world was talking about how there was not enough inventory, supply chains were broken, now people have too much inventory, it's creating all kinds of issues. I had an interesting one with a client. I'm gonna bring you into it this week with some lessons I think about how client agency relationships work effectively, how you can be a great partner to people when things are challenging, and just the general strangeness of a world where people have too much stuff so soon after they didn't have enough stuff. That's what we're gonna talk about today. I'm excited, let's jump right in. So just a fascinating issue this week, I think. So fascinating because of how quickly the world really does change. I feel like it was yesterday I was talking about how supply chain problems are everywhere. Nobody has enough stuff. Prices are soaring. It's just that was the thing that we all talked about at the same time as iOS 14 hit. And it was just this major double whammy. Container costs went from two to four grand or whatever to 20 grand per shipping container, just destroying your profit margins. And all of these problems everywhere you look in e-commerce related to supply chain. People just not having enough stuff. And and now, the what I'm seeing across the board, like this is like, I've had multiple calls like, the, calls like this with multiple clients in multiple different verticals, different spaces, and seeing articles literally in the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, hearing public conversation about Target, and all of them are saying the same thing. We have too much stuff, and the problem really is not even about sales velocity per se. It's that our warehouses are now so backfilled that there's all these containers and nowhere to put the stuff. And it's not a matter of not having enough trucks or anything like that. The container costs have drastically come down now. The problem is just there isn't warehouse space and people ordered uh, coming out of COVID. How could you predict what was going to happen next to this whole situation? Like forecasting is crazy hard. And, and so that, that's its own episode. So that's the situation. And here's the crazy thing. I was talking to this client of mine, Modloft who had this specific situation, furniture, brand, and, and they've cleared me to use their name here, CTC client, and I work on their account. And Modloft, really smart guys running a really great business, beautiful, I would say attainable luxury, like attainable high-end furniture, so not insane Italian leather luxury, whatever, crazy prices, but nice furniture, like nice furniture. We're, we're moving past the Ikea stage of our lives to, to go to Modloft. Go check it out, modloft.com. It's really beautiful, really cool stuff. Go buy some. And, and anyway, the situation is that Modloft, in this category that was famously crushed by this supply chain problem, like you might have heard about this specifically if you tried to buy furniture at the peak of the supply chain disruption, that like it was, you're ordering stuff and getting it in nine months or whatever from people. It just was so backlogged, in the, particularly in the category of furniture. And so how does Modloft respond to that? It's a really hard problem. Like, there's no finger pointing here at all. It's a really hard problem. In any case, what happened is now... This furniture company, which it's furniture, right? So they need a lot of warehouse space. They're now backlogged to a point where here's the situation that happened. In the next five to 10 days, there are like 80 containers full of products, Modloft furniture, that are that now need to be unloaded and there is not warehouse space for them. And here's the problem. Every day that those containers are sitting in the port, 
every single day, every container that sits costs them between $3,500 per day. So that means with 80 containers, they said they have space for about 40 of them, no matter what. So that's good. So they have 40 leftover, 40 containers that they, don't, that they need to be able to move enough furniture to out of their warehouses to be able to move 40 containers with the stuff. That's 16 grand a day. If you just take the average $400 per container per day at 40 containers, 16 grand per day, they just are losing every day. They can't move stuff. That is a miserable situation to be in. And it's just wasted. It's not even like you get ad impressions out of the dollars or something. It's just money going out the door. And so that's the situation that they came into. Now that, again, like I said, first of all, is just a fascinating moment. I'm immediately wondering, in the inflationary world that we live in, if you are about to start to see a bunch of deflationary pressure from all these situations. Again, Target is this really fascinating moment where they have publicly said they're going to cut their prices relatively significantly in order to move product. That's a big retailer saying that out loud to the world that their prices are going to go down. And I do wonder, we actually, we were talking about this today, actually, on a call with the Modloff guys, like, do we actually need to think about lowering prices or signaling in some way like a 30-day price match guarantee or something? Because if this story gets out there more and more for consumers, are people just going to wait to buy until they know prices are coming down? So that's its own question and a really hard challenge to work through. And again, everybody's going to be guessing here, but it creates this big challenge. But beyond that, there's this other issue, which is just like this particular moment for Modloft. So what do you do? How do you approach this problem that of containers just sitting there and trying to move them? Well, how do you solve it? So the first thing you do is in some way, you try to forecast the trade-offs, right? This is, this is immediately what kind of my brain did with it. Was, okay, this is a math problem. You just look and say, if I spend X amount more dollars today, how even if it's below my preferred ROAS target on ads... Now, this is tricky, right? Because let me just preface this by saying people don't impulse buy furniture that costs thousands of dollars. So even if you run additional ads, there's a question of how quickly you can actually move a lot of additional furniture. Because like I said, if you're prospecting somebody for the first time, they're typically the last click conversion rate for Modloft, I can just tell you is pretty low. Okay. It's very low. People just don't do that. You're just not impulse, you're just not impulse buying furniture like this. So it's going to take some time, you know, at least by just pumping ads. But there's this question essentially, and I hope you see what I'm getting at. There's this question of this trade-off, which is if I spend a bunch more money on ads, even though that eats into my margin more than I normally would, does that offset the $16,000 a day minus $400 for every container that I'm able to unload. And basically, can I, at what point do those two hold each other in tension to where it's more worth it to spend the dollars on the ads and additional ad spend, even if it's under my usual target, in order to move those? And so that's like immediately one of the first things that you do. And so then you go, and this is where it matters so much to have a forecast and a spend plan on hand. Because you can at least begin to say, my current plan, instead of just throwing dollars at ads and adjusting in real time, you say, my current plan and my current forecast says we'll spend X amount of dollars per day and generate Y amount of dollars in revenue. And so that allows me to then forecast how long it's going to take to unload these containers. And then I can make a decision around this problem of okay, how much additional incremental spend can I get and how much incremental revenue will that get me? And what will that effect be on these containers? And how is that math all going to work out? So that's the back and forth that you end up playing with. That's not necessarily easy, but that's the first thing to do in this situation. And, and this is where advertising and marketing is not a silo. You just have to be thinking about this in relationship to the rest of your business. In my early days in marketing, I thought so much about ROAS. I've said this before, but I was so frustrated when clients would tell me they're out of inventory of something or whatever. I'd be like, well, let's make sure to get that in stock because that product moves really well. Like that's so easy to say, but it's just not that simple. And so your ad spend has to be really directly connected to your inventory counts and all those kinds of things. In fact, one thing we were talking about today was 
if only, if we would have been able to see this coming a little bit more, we would have maybe been able to juice a sale that we ran earlier on a little bit more. Again, even if it would have been a little below our target because we would have been able to go, oh man, we really need to move the inventory and we better do that when this when you know you can get a really strong ROAS when building some urgency into a sale, etc. So anyway, the point is, these kinds of targets and these market and your marketing plans, like this is why at CTC, we push so hard, build a forecast, build spend targets, integrate that into the rest of your business, have a clear way that you know, not only to determine whether or not you're winning and whether or not you're meeting client expectations, but so that when you get weird moments in your business, you have a plan from which you can adjust. And that's where like a good plan, the point of a good plan, the point of a good forecast is not to be right. You're going to be wrong every time. The point is to have a baseline understanding of what to expect broadly. And if that all goes certain ways, and as you adjust in real time, and as weird stuff comes up, you adjust the plan with more knowledge of what's going on. And so that's the way we think about it. So that's what we did. We forecasted. Okay. And big credit to a a media buyer uh, who I work with, brilliant guy, Ray, uh, on my team, Ray, put together basically, okay, here's what I think the additional spend would be at these different levels. And if it's going to be this much on Facebook, okay, that's going to get me there. Typically we spend this much on Facebook, this much on Google. Can we maintain those levels? If so, how many days? And determine that it would take about, it could take up to 25 days to move the additional inventory that we needed to move if we really ramped the spend and if we really, whatever. But that was the plan. You just build that back and forth of if I move, if we know the TRV, the total retail value of every single one of those containers, let's just call it $100,000. That's not a real number, but let's just call it that just for the sake of easy math, right? If every container is $100,000, then I need to figure out how to move $4 million worth of stuff. And every time I tick off another $100,000, that's one less container that sits in the port every day. Of course, the world doesn't work exactly quite like that, but that would give you a directional sense of what's going on. Okay. And so now I know, okay, if I can sell $500,000 worth of stuff, that gets me that empties five containers and that's $400 times five. That's $2,000 less I'm paying every day in containers sitting there. So that's really good. And now I can keep chipping away at it. And that two grand now I can put back into ads or whatever it is. And so you make that trade off. Would I rather pay the two grand for those five containers or would I rather pay the two grand on ads, etc. I hope you see what I'm saying. Hey, let me thank our sponsor for this episode, Wayflyer. Wayflyer provides flexible, fast, revenue-based financing for e-commerce companies so they can grow faster. If you need working capital for your business, go check out Wayflyer. Last year, sustainable natural deodorant brand Wild used funding from Wayflyer to acquire 10,000 new customers during the holiday shopping season. They needed to ramp up their spend, ramp up their inventory, make sure they were all set for a big moment. They used Wayflyer to fund the growth and ads. If you want to unlock growth for your business, You can do it with Wayflyer. Get funded now at wayflyer.com and make sure you're all set to maximize your business, especially the customer demand upcoming soon in Q4. Get the inventory and the ad dollars you need to maximize that moment with Wayflyer. Okay, I hope that was clear enough. The basic point being, this is where ad spend is held in tension with other elements and other costs in the business in this unique moment, okay? Now, the other thing that, of course, we do here is added a sale. Now, this is on the client side. They saw this coming, and so they got ready and said, 4th of July, that's a big purchase moment, and so maybe that's where we need to push a little bit harder, and so now we go and build towards that. That's one way you deal with having too much inventory is you don't have to necessarily go say we're going to slash prices for forever, but maybe you had a sale that you weren't necessarily planning on adding because that's what you do to relieve the situation on hand. That's not the number one way you would build a discount strategy and if you were building it from the ground up, but 
<laughs> life doesn't always work that way. And so sometimes you make an adjustment and you're probably not going to destroy the brand or anything like that. Lots of furniture brands have sales around 4th of July. So you build the sale and you go there. And then you also look at all kinds of other ideas. Try to start getting creative to like one thing we talked about was can Modloft reach out to interior decorators or interior designers, excuse me, not decorators and say to them, Hey, we'll give you a special offer on our furniture right now, because if, if we can give you that, we'll create a good relationship with people who have influence and who have reach and who are going to be designing the interiors of a lot of homes. And so they're really good customers to have on hand. So you build that relationship with designers who are great customers. And at the same time, you move inventory faster and give them a good deal. And it's a good way to turn an inventory overstock into a way to have more reach and more depth with people who are really important in your industry and in your category. Okay. So that'd be one way. You could even consider if you were Modloft product seeding. That's crazy to talk about, right? Because this furniture is pricey, but it's valuable if you're going to seed it. And if you want some influencer relationships, maybe you reach out to some people and say, hey, do you want this product? And now's the time to do it, right? When that product is going to eat up space anyway. Now that's probably a little bit too long-term of a strategy, but you could consider it. Other things we consider, we're talking about running a special offer specifically to people who had only bought a discount in the past. If you do that and you know that no discount customers tend to continue to be discount customers over the long term, you pull up your Clavio, you pull up your segmentation and you say, here's a segment of people. If we're going to run this for 4th of July anyway, let's say they've bought twice or three times in the past and they're good customers. You take those people and you say, hey, the 4th of July sale is coming. We want to make sure that you have earliest access to all the stuff you want. We expect some stuff to sell out and some stuff will sell out. Even with those containers coming, there will still be stuff selling out. We wanted to give you early access to this offer Thanks for being a loyal customer. Do that kind of thing. See if you can move some revenue forward a little bit because it reduces some costs. So you start thinking along those lines. And that's the way you try and solve a problem like this, right? Is you think about this from a forecasting perspective and a math perspective, and then on the one hand, and then also from a marketing perspective. What can we do to turn too much inventory into a moment? I talked to another client. It's thinking about, it's thinking about okay, we have five years of inventory on hand, <laughs> something like that. And this is not just because of supply chain stuff. There's a bunch of reasons, but they're trying to think like, what's what could we do that would be really big, really impactful, generate PR, give us a good look in the community, and also turn a bunch of inventory from just inventory that will sit on the shelf for five years into dollars and into reach and growth and brand equity and those sorts of things. And so you can think about that from a forecasting perspective and the math and how that looks on your balance sheet and do a bunch of different stuff to think about the trade-off, but you're not going to be able to advertise your way through five years of stuff that quickly. Okay, can you solve this, not just from a forecasting and math perspective, but from a marketing perspective and turn this into a moment? So that's the other thing you do. The whole thing is a fascinating moment, in my view, of not just marketing and supply chain and the dynamics of D2C right now, but there's another interesting thing here, which is the nature of a client and agency relationship. I'll just tell you really honestly, and I actually told the client this, the Monloft guys at first were pushing on my team to move faster. And I didn't really understand why. There, were, there was a suggestion we needed more urgency on some stuff than we were experiencing. And I was pushing like, no, we need more process. Agencies do best with process. And that's just a fact of the matter, right? What you want from an agency is an agency with great institutional knowledge, making its way into your business via great process. And that's not always fast. It's different than having an internal team. I didn't really understand why they were doing this, but look, I have a lot of agency experience. And one thing I know is that clients always want you to go faster. So when I hear clients say go faster, it, honestly, it, it rolls off my back a little bit. Like I just, I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm actually, just to give you a sense of like how much of a trope this is, I actually talked to somebody recently who said that he runs an agency and it was like 70% SaaS or something like that and like 30% e-com. And, um, and I said to him, oh, do you have a preference? Do you like e-com? Do you like SaaS more? He's like, oh, SaaS for sure. And I said, why? And he said, because 
SaaS likes SaaS people like product, like process, and econ people constantly want magic. They want everything fast and they want everything magical. And that's been somewhat true in my experience. I mean, if you can really build process and planning into your business so you can be a different kind of client, then you can actually really get the most out of an agency. And so I heard the client pushing on that. And, and my first reaction was to be a little bit dismissive of it, to be totally honest with you. But that brings up something on the clients, on the agency side of relationships, which is part of your job, if you're in an agency, and this is actually true for anybody working for somebody else, is to listen carefully, to believe the best of the person you're talking to, and to just assume they're not an idiot. They're not mean. In most cases, they're not. Some people are just mean and some people are just idiots, but most people are not. And so you just ask the question, why are they responding this way? Is there some kind of business pressure they're experiencing that is, is making this person do this? And if so, is this a moment where I can actually be a great partner or a great employee and actually be a, a source of solved problems for this client or for this person? If so, that creates great relationships. And so that ended up being like where one of my internal reactions to that was to check myself and to go, oh, don't be so quick to write this off, Andrew. Like you, you need to be a better listener. And in the midst of that at the same time, I'll say, and one thing I fed back to these guys was actually it would be just, so, I actually told them just so you know, all clients want things fast and want things faster. So what would have actually been really helpful to me is if you would have communicated to me this situation and not just tell me urgency, but actually give me the information. Tell me about the shipping container thing. And when they did that, then something happened, which was I was able to go back to my team and rally them and say, hey guys, we have a chance right now. We have a moment, an opportunity to be a great partner to this client. And if we can solve this problem for them, let, you know they'll be really stoked. It'll really help a lot. It's not just somebody being annoying. So let's go do this. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I went back to my team and did that, this thing happened, which is that everybody rallied. They said, what do you need? What do we need to do to make this happen? How can we do this? Like they're ready to go because people are actually willing to help and they understand and things come up and they're here, they're in client services. They want to serve. They want to be great to their clients. Uh, it's just a matter of understanding the situation and, and having it not just be a point of frustration or whatever it is. And so on the client side or on the agency side, there's the need to listen. On the employee side, there's the need to listen. On the client side, there's the need to communicate and to say clearly what's happening. And if you can bring those two things together, you can actually create the basis of a really good relationship. Good communication on one side, good listening on the other. And that ends up creating a really fruitful partner partnership. Two other little reflections, or one other little reflection, excuse me, um, on this is that I just think this is like a perfect situation where I was really proud and thankful to be a CTC. By the way, this situation is not fully resolved yet. We're working on it still. But I felt that way because, and to have the training I've had, because one of the things that Taylor Holiday, our CEO, is so good at, at pointing out is like, we are growth partners to help a total business, not just an ad spend. Our job is not just an ad spend, it's to help the business get where it needs to go. This is, this came from Taylor realizing early on that one of the things that was happening to a lot of clients would be like, we'd go through our process and do our stuff and ads would work or not work or whatever, but something would be falling apart at this more fundamental business level and businesses were getting hurt, even if we weren't doing necessarily a bad job or whatever, and it was frustrating for the business and and whatever. And so it became clear that like the problem to be solved was not always just an ad account or an email account or whatever. It was actually something more central to the business. And if we could be the source that was helping connect those two things, like I was talking about earlier, it could be a really fruitful partnership. And that lens through which everybody at CTC is talking about this. And so for me, like coming to the situation, I was just, I was thinking about this, man, it is so fun to be working in a situation where we're not just limited 
to trying to solve an ad account, but we're actually trying to take this a step further and really partner with a total business, understand the business's unique challenges and situations, and then bring the specific knowledge that we have that's more generalized to platforms and institutionalized, I should say, towards what works best on how to leverage these platforms best and bring that to bear on the specific challenges of a specific business. It's funny, like Taylor a long time ago said to me that I remember him just saying off the cuff way. He was so frustrated that so few businesses would actually give him visibility to their PL. He would ask for it and just say, I'd like to let me show me your PL. And that <laughs> Taylor wasn't trying to pull a fast one on anybody or like, I don't know, try to get more money out of them. He really wanted to look at the PL and be able to help a client and say, like, hey, I can tell you what's going on in your business in a way that will be more helpful. And clients, some clients are totally willing to do that, but there are some who won't. And and I just think there's this thing here where if you are actually partnered with somebody who really wants what's best for you, wants to solve things at the broader level, then you can share information freely under NDA, sure, but information freely in a way that um, actually allows your agency partner or your employee or whatever to take you to where you're trying to go. And this means you're in, if you're thinking about this, if you're an operator, think about how you share this internally with your team. Again, Taylor's great at this. He's given really clear visibility to CTC's financial, to the internal team, uh, financials, to the internal team to say, here's where we're going and here's what we're rallying around and here's how your goals ladder up to the company's goals. And, and there's just no hiding that so that everybody can see what's going on. I think there's an element of that where if you've got good partners, you can actually get better and bigger problems solved in better ways by sharing information clearly and then by on the employer or agency side, like I said, listening carefully, thinking about how to solve the next most important problem next and not just a small one in front of you. So anyway, fascinating situation. I think we're gonna be able to unwind this along with the Modloft team. People are working hard to make it to make it work. If there's a if there's a follow-up worth sharing, I'll totally do it. But uh, but yes, a new moment that we have entered into where everybody has too much stuff. Hey, so as always, thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope it was helpful to you in some way as always. A couple people recently have reached out to me in a couple different platforms. Somebody sent an email, somebody said something on Twitter, and it was just so encouraging to me. Just people saying that the show's been helpful to them. They've learned a lot. They've grown their business because of it. Um, man, that is just the best news. To those of you who have said that, I'm absolutely not fishing for compliments. <laughs> But to those who have said that, I really appreciate it. And if you are out there and you have a question or a thought, something that should be addressed on the show, I'd absolutely love to hear about it. And if you're not on DDC Twitter, you're doing it wrong. So there you go. Thanks so much. As always for listening, we'd love a rating or a review on the show. Share it with somebody if you think it's going to be helpful to them. I hope you don't have too much stuff. I hope you have just the right amount of stuff and you're selling it at the absolutely perfect velocity to make your business hum with total efficiency right now. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.